What's up guys, welcome back to Rebranding Safety episode 17, we're looking at incident investigation, um, just me this week but yeah let's get straight into it, make sure you listen to the end for some tips and tricks around investigation and my favourite method of investigation explained, let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We need an oppressive regime of health and safety regulation. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in London. Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Riss Fluent and your host, James McPherson. So welcome back to episode 17 then guys, if you own a business or manage a team or anything like that, it's absolutely inevitable that you will have accidents to investigate Um, and there is a requirement in law that you investigate them if they involve harm to somebody or could have potentially harmed somebody. So what does that law say? So the Management Health and Safety at Work Regulations 19 99. Uh, Regulation 5 requires employers to plan, organise, control, monitor and review their health and safety arrangement and health and safety investigation forming an essential essential part of that process. Um, It's also worth noting that following the Wolf Report um, on civil action, you are expected to make full disclosure of circumstances of an accident um, to the injured parties considering legal action. So that's somebody's had an accident and they're, you know, no win, no fee in you. They're going to ring you up and, uh, or their their solicitors are going to ring you up and and they're going to ask for the investigation. So they have to have full disclosure. So they have to have everything, basically. The fear of litigation, um, the Wolf Report continues, the fear of litigation may make you think uh, it's better to not investigate, um, but you can't make things better if you don't know what went wrong. Um, the fact that you thoroughly investigated an accident took remedial action to prevent further accidents would demonstrate to the court that you that your company has a positive attitude towards health and safety. Your investigation findings will also provide essential information for your insurers in the time in the event of a claim. Um, so that's pulled directly off um, the HSC website. So you know it's not explicitly you know you must investigate all accidents, but it is integral in those kind of two areas mainly the management health and safety at work act but then obviously under civil law civil action you will have to provide them with something and that can kind of mitigate the more kind of mitigate the the outcome i suppose so one i mean if it does end up going all the way to court and it's not just settled um then it can kind of probably mitigate the effect on you by the way you've you've dealt with it so accidents and incidents then, we hear that word quite a lot, accidents and incidents become quite interchangeable, um, many different businesses as you're probably all aware refer to them as completely different things um, and if that confuses you then fair enough, you know it changes nearly every time I've changed the job it's changed. Um, so. Let's have a look at what the HSE says. So the HSE in their guidance refers to an adverse event, which includes an accident, which they define as an event, an event that results in injury or ill health, an incident, a near miss event that while not causing harm has the potential to cause injury or ill health. 
Um, in this guidance, the term near miss will be taken to include dangerous occurrences, which are under riddle. Um, an undesired circumstance, a set of conditions or circumstances that have the potential to cause injury or ill health, e.g. untrained nurses handling heavy patients. But then to be fair to businesses, this guide does not cover building damage. So I find the easiest way um, to separate the, the kind of three big ones within your business would be as follows. So accidents, any human or animal is harmed. Um, near miss, an event that could have hurt a human or an animal or damaged property. And an incident is everything else. So vehicle damage, property damage, anything like that is an incident. That, that's the three easiest ways to break it down in my opinion um, and they're the three that I've seen work over the years. So some other phrases that you need to know in the kind of grand scheme of incident investigation then. Root cause, you've probably heard this quite a lot as well. So what's root cause? Well, it's the, it is the root cause of the incident. So the root of the tree being the start of the tree um, and the cause being what, what caused the accident. So combine those two together, it's this, It's what happened, it's what made it happen. Um, so it's the main cause of the event. Um, then you've also got underlying cause. So it's the less obvious system or organizational reason for an, an, an adverse event happening, e.g. you know, pre-startup machinery, not pre-startup checks, for, sorry, not being carried out by supervisors, um, the hazard not being adequately considered by a suitable or sufficient risk assessment, production pressures uh, too great, etc., etc. Then you've got immediate causes. So sometimes you'll hear this um, as well. This will be this would be immediately obvious. Uh, oil on the floor, blade, something like that. So if you flip them round, when you're doing an investigation, immediate cause is immediately obvious to you. They're the things that directly cause the incident. So if it's a blade and the incident was a cut, that's your immediate cause. Then the underlying cause is the maintenance of the machine wasn't wasn't great, for example. And um, I probably shouldn't be going off the top of my head with this. And I probably shouldn't tie myself up in knots when I have prepared an example. Um, but let's roll with it um, to the maintenance of the machine. So then what would the root cause be? Um, the maintenance department had their budget cut and they've had to cut their PPM program by half, for example. They would be immediate underlying and root cause. So I always found IOSH Managing Safety um, course did a quite good uh, causal tree, they call it. Um, so the story goes, um, there's a gentleman in an office, there's a little video. Yeah, I think you can still find it on YouTube. If you can, I'll, I'll have a look and if, if it is on there, I'll, uh, I'll link it in the description for you all. But basically, it's, um, it's a gentleman in, in an office and he looks at the clock. It looks like it's about five minutes before leaving time. And he gets up, he leaves, instead of following the footpath, cuts across the warehouse, um, forklift trucks hits him, um, and boxes fall off the pallet, and that hits him as well. So immediate causes were the box falling off, the forklift hitting him, um, no brakes, there was oil on the floor, um, the forklift truck was speeding, and the guy was off the footpath. They're immediate causes. Underlying causes you've got why didn't it break so, so you've got like the oil on the floor but why did still why did it not break ah no maintenance oh okay then um why was he speeding oh the speedometer was broke so why was that well, again no maintenance 
and you can work your way back so then it becomes the root causes would be like supervision time pressures poor policies um budgeting and things like that and that that really is kind of like the basis of of um incident investigation you've got to try and come up with those three areas and sometimes they're really obvious i find for obvious reasons the root causes are difficult to get to and it will be quite dependent on your culture and your business and how easy or difficult it is to get there um but the key is to try and get people on board so let's go into like the basics of the investigation and to actually be able to identify those three areas so an effective investigation then um, follows pretty much a systematic and structured approach to um, information gathering, analysis, risk control measures and action plan. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, another risk assessment, isn't it, really? We're data gathering, we're analysing that data and then we're coming up with some control measures and then we're putting them in a plan to, to put them in action. Um, so. It's, it is quite simple when we, when we drill down to what we're trying to do. The actual doing it is the difficult bit. The actual making the decisions is the difficult bit. And there really there's no kind of advice that we can give anyone to do that. It all depends on who you're doing it with, your culture and your business, the complexity of the incident, etc. But here are some challenges that you might get. So you might have some failure to cooperate. So a colleague may not be willing to cooperate, tell you the full truth. Depend again on your on your culture. If you've got like a blame culture in your business where historically over the years, if anyone's done anything wrong, they've had a massive rollicking or they've lost their job or something like that, people are gonna be very scared to speak the truth and own up and say, yeah, I saw Bob do this or I did this or whatever or didn't do this no so that that's quite a big thing to just consider your culture before you go into it because it could change it from a, a really nice smooth investigation to an absolute nightmare um also got to consider like relationships on the shop on the shop floor you know so if their mate has harmed themselves but it was of a di direct result of them doing something they shouldn't have done um you might again get some failure to cooperate there as well time pressures um Time pressures could be a root cause, obviously, but it could also be a root cause to a poor investigation. Um, so you might be under pressure from management, customers, shareholders, lawyers, insurers, any kind of these bodies to get an investigation completed ASAP. Um, or you could be under pressure to um, not really give the best answer. Um, so just bear that in mind as well. Where's the pressure coming from? Is it is it is it good pressure? If it's good pressure, then great. You know, um, is is the pressure for a good reason? Um, if not, time to bugger off. You know, you've got to get this right, and it's important to get this right for obvious reasons. But worst case scenario, you don't want to send a pretty piss poor investigation to your solicitors or your insurers and then it just tie you in knots in the, in the courtroom or it ends up just being settled. You know, you, if you've got a chance to, to challenge some of these claims, a uh, good investigation is where that begins. Um, just ticking a box, both management and staff may not want to really hear the truth. Um, just kind of alluded to it a minute ago. You know, just do an accident investigation because we need to do it kind of attitude. Um, they might not want to really hear what the root cause was because they might be part of that root cause or it might involve costly change or it might involve changing how they're doing something which is a pain in the ass for them. 
you know, it might be on the shop floor that these people are cutting corners on purpose because they know it's a lot quicker. Um, so then maybe your root cause is coming from time pressures on them doing their work and things like that. So you can see how you kind of get to these kind of things. It's just, I suppose it's doing it over and over and over again, you become better at it. Your first one's probably going to be piss poor because you're going to be nervous. Um, but just try and relax. And again, if you've got a good relationship with these people, good relationship with your shop floor staff, good relationship with your management, then it becomes a lot easier process. Bias as well could be something that um, challenges you quite a lot. You know, if your business, um, if, in, if if it's your business, sorry, you, you might be biased yourself um, and you not, might not want to truly acknowledge um, that it was your business that's essentially um, injured a member of your team or your staff um, or the other way around. So think about that as well. Maybe, you know, that's a good time if you're a small business to kind of engage with an external consultant. If you've had quite a significant incident maybe not a fatality but kind of like a, a, a riddle or something like that it might get someone in on one basis as a as a completely non-biased person to, to carry out an accident investigation for you so let's say you don't do that and you do it yourself basic kind of format to it there are many many methods out there many many um, different ways of doing it and you know as a business gets bigger or a process gets more complicated then yeah you might want a much more kind of intelligent kind of way of doing things but the basic basic way of doing this is you've got to find out what happened where it happened when it happened how it happened and why it happened yeah they're the basic formats of your investigation what where when how and why yeah so there's three kind of main areas of consideration within those um so you've got to think about individuals so the individuals involved and the individual that was injured yeah, and then within that, you've got to consider their competency, their skills, their personality, their attitude, their risk perception. You know, all of these things kind of build up and could potentially be your root cause or part of your root cause. Attitude's always a very difficult one. You know, competency can be quite difficult in my experience as well, because if you highlight a significant gap in competency that could involve quite a big exercise a big costly exercise to upskill maybe more than one people not one people <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah it could if you highlight a competency gap it's more than likely going to be a couple of people or maybe that line of people in the kind of hierarchical setup that has that gap um, and that could extend throughout the business um, their personal skills so you, then you might have a problem with um, employment so interview why was this person's lack of skills not highlighted if, if it was highlighted why well, we done nothing to to fix it so all these kind of things and that's just an individual then we've also got organization so in organization we've got culture leadership resource work patterns communications Again, all these things can kind of build up to the, your root cause. And your root cause might be a couple of things. It might be poor communication in, on top of a poor attitude, uh, poor competency, and a couple of other things. It might be a couple of things. So I would say culture probably encapsulated quite a lot of those things. Um, and culture, as we've mentioned before, is, is quite a difficult thing to change if you've got a poor culture already. But it, it, it starts with you, as we've said in, in, a, in our previous podcast. 
leadership you know that again is a difficult one and it can be a difficult conversation to broach as well for you know any safety professional or any business maybe not business owner but business manager um to approach their senior leaders and saying you know your attitude is actually what's causing all these accident accidents work patterns and resource you know these kind of things combined together poor resource and you know poor work patterns can can result in you know people working overtime people working too hard people working fast uh, under pressure things like that the job itself we've got to consider as well so the tasks the workload the environment the display and controls the procedures things like that we've got a real think about this stuff so essentially it's all the same stuff we would think about on a risk assessment but we're kind of reverse engineering that aren't we so some kind of tips and, and tricks to get you where you need um, try to avoid words like statement and interview these are quite official sounding words um, and they're, 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 they're there for a reason um, but they can quite easily scare staff you know can you imagine being asked to come and make a statement especially if it if you know it's a serious incident and let's be honest you know uh, it gets round quick when you've got a serious incident people in your sister company in taiwan know about it the next day it gossip travels fast so bear that in mind people are going to know about this and then you're asked to come and deliver a statement it just sounds scary so just think about the words you're using be clear on the aim of your incident investigation is to identify the root cause and prevent reoccurrence and if required it is to apportion fair blame yeah don't pussyfoot around the fact that you know where there is blame it, it should be doled out but it should be apportioned but it, and it should be fair and this is where you start to change your kind of just culture um sorry you'll blame culture over to your just culture um and this is where you start doing that you start by having those conversations and like we said in the previous podcast it's infectious so if you start doing that it'll start working its way around the business um you've got to be cautious like we said earlier people did something purposely wrong um you're going to run straight back into those kind of roadblocks that we mentioned earlier but again it's that's the point of a just culture if you've done something purposely wrong or you know your act or omissions was done completely on purpose and it was not your fault whatsoever then they should be disciplined but nine times out of ten it's not because of the worker it's because of management systems or lack of competence or poor supervision um, something like that yeah that's normally the root cause so what do you do instead then you try to arrange kind of like chats um, instead of interviews you take notes instead of statements and then at the end of it just say hey look we've talked about quite a lot of stuff would you mind just putting your name and sign and date at the bottom of this um, just in case we use it in the investigation um, <clears throat> They might say no if they say no then just say is there any particular reason you don't want to um and if they give you a reason just write that down and just say didn't want to sign for the above reason sign blah 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 um or you always find this kind of phrase just works in business in general um but very much so to an incident investigation praise in public and chastise in private you know be considerate that the workplace rules taught like we just said gossip spreads have respect for the shop floor rumors so don't be going over there and being like bob in my office now because it's just embarrassing these people 
just it does just doesn't help the culture whatsoever i remember actually being in a meeting a long time ago uh, it was a planning meeting that we used to have every morning in manufacturing and um the kind of plant manager was notorious for nice bloke really nice bloke but if you piss him off jesus christ and um and it was in this meeting anyway and um the door swings open and he literally just screams this person's name down and says come on in the office and it just so happened his office was next door to the planning meeting office I mean, he goes into the room and literally you could just hear screaming at him. And then door slams, he leaves, and this gentleman, bless him, comes back into the meeting and just stands there red-faced. And it was horrendous. It was absolutely horrendous. That is no way to treat a human being and actually just doesn't help the business in any way. It just creates a piss-poor culture. And actually, you've, you've probably got a problem with yourself if you're treating people like that. Um, so it just doesn't help. And that person then is going to be less inclined going forward if they make a mistake, to be honest about that mistake. And then they're going to try and cover that mistake up. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we see it all the time in series and stuff like that, don't you, where you see like, I don't know, say like Luther, for example, is quite a good series. And, you know, he just keeps getting himself in so much trouble because he just doesn't go to his boss and say, hey, boss, look, this has got messed up. And you just think, if you'd have done that in episode one, you probably still could have had a series, so you still keep me happy, but you probably won't be in as much crap. And having that kind of scary kind of persona about you where you just scream at somebody in an unprofessional manner just creates that kind of loofer culture where you just get you build yourself this mountain of problems and secrets and lies so don't forget that praise in public chastise in private so it's quite a short one today and we'll just finally kind of close off on um my kind of favorite I say method investigation, but it's just kind of like, a, well, I suppose it is a method of investigation, to be fair. But anyway, it, it's essentially, it's called five whys. Um, I mean, brutally, brutally honest with you, I've been in health and safety for many years now, um, but it's the only one I've ever used. Um, I've heard of a lot of others, and when I read through them, I just think, Jesus Christ, that, that's complicated. I think it's really simple. Um it's essentially just keep asking why um and why have i not looked at any others um or considered going over to any others i have looked at them obviously and considered them but why did i not make the decision to change well if it ain't broke don't fix it it's 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 the root cause of that that decision i suppose um i've always found this works for me personally um a lot of the business i've worked for followed that kind of model um so yeah if it ain't broke don't fix it it's worth touching on, however, that something called the Swiss cheese model. Um, I've heard people use the Swiss cheese model for investigation, but I'm not really sure how that works. So I imagine um, you, it's more like kind of reverse engineering a process. But I've always found the, five, the Swiss cheese, not five wise, the Swiss cheese has, um, is a good way of kind of depicting control measures. So if, if you imagine layers and layers and layers of Swiss cheese, all being on top of each other and one each layer is a different control measure um and the holes and um, the more layers you've got the holes are less likely to align up 
if you leave a hole in the system, which every control merger has a hole, um, and those holes line up, then you've got your incident. So essentially, it's trying to find the hole in your layers of Swiss cheese. Um, so you're essentially, like I said earlier, you're kind of reverse engineering your process. You, you're looking at your risk assessment and working backwards and finding the holes in each control measure and trying to find where they lined up. I've always used a Swiss cheese model to kind of show managers um, in maybe like a lessons learned or something like that. And if you don't know what a lessons learned is, it's more like it's kind of like a presentation or a webinar or something where we tell the business this is the incident that happened. Um, and this was the lessons learned. Um, a really good lessons learned back to manufacturing for me was um, used to have like an explosive atmospheres um, kind of set up in one of our machines. It produced a kind of flammable product whilst it was in its raw form and it produced flammable gas and that built up and created an explosive atmosphere. Long story short, well, we had a factory in America that had quite a bad explosion or quite a bad fire. Um, and they did quite a big in-depth investigation. They sent that lessons learned over to us because we had exactly the same setup over here in the UK. Um, but yeah, I find if you're going to do something like that, lessons learned, I find a Swiss cheese model is really good way to make it really simple. Um, and also not fun, but it's, it's a good kind of way that people can relate to something. Oh, okay, I get it. The more layers of Swiss cheese you've got, the less chance of holes are going to line up. So five whys then, what's five whys? So five whys in its simplest form is you ask why until you can't ask anymore. Um, you do have to be careful here about your kind of manner and how you're posing the questions. You know, don't just sit there and say why like a child because you're just going to piss people off and you look like a dick. Um, so just sit there, don't just sit there and be like, why? Yeah, but why? Why? Yeah, but why? Because you're just gonna look like an idiot you know just just kind of think about how you're posing your questions and pose it like a conversation as opposed to uh why 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 kind of thing and also don't get stuck to five it sounds like a stupid question why would anyone do that um people do i i, I got to five whys and um i just stopped there and you know, why <laughs> ironically um so yeah think about how you're asking those why's but essentially the the kind of model is that you just keep asking why until you literally can't get any more so you've got to kind of start with the basic format where we touched on earlier so we've got like what happened where it happened when it happened how it happened um that kind of brings you down to your kind of immediate causes then you hit the why and you keep going back so if we were to go back to that iosh model we spoke to you know you've got the forklift truck why, how did that happen? Well, it, it didn't break and then the pallet box hit the person and the box fell off. Um, why did that? Why did it not break? Oh, because there was oil on the floor. Yeah, but it should have still break, shouldn't it? Oh, right. Okay, maybe we look at the brakes. Oh, yeah, it was pretty poor maintenance. That's why it didn't. Why was the guy in, in the forklift route anyway? How, how come that happened? Oh, I think it's pretty much common practice that people kind of cut across the route at the end of the day. Oh, right, okay. But then surely, how come he was on his own? Oh, he finished like 10 minutes early. Ah, okay. So we've got a policy problem there. <clears throat> why Why was the, um, let's just jump back to the, the, the breaking. How come it was, so it didn't break because we, we don't ma maintain it, but still, it should have been going that fast, shouldn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, the speedometer was broke. Okay, we've got 
poor maintenance system here. So that brings us to our underlying cause. Why have we got poor maintenance system? Well, well, we just don't really need to do that. We can't really keep up with it all, and you know, it's just a lot, a lot of work to do. Okay, lack of supervision, maybe. You, you can see how you kind of go, and then you're just having conversations with people. Um, you've got to think about how you pose those questions, remember, because you can get someone's back up. Essentially, you're asking them what they've done wrong. Just bear that in mind. <clears throat> so in summary then, you know, incident investigation is something that you know, you've got to do. Um, but I still find even now that many organisations and big organisations, big established organisations, are still no good at it. Um, so if you're a business owner, you know, work with your teams to find a way to make this really easy. I find the biggest area we fall down is getting that initial report, that kind of near miss or that initial accident um, report through to the kind of management or safety team or whoever. That's where I find this falls down the most. So you've got to make that easy. Um, if we can get it on people's phones, you know, if you've got all your staff got work phones, you can get it on their phones, that's fine. It's much easier in the kind of factory environment or warehouse environment, offices where everybody's based in the same place. When you start expanding out and people are driving a lot for work and it's just like, it becomes very difficult then because they've got to stop what they're doing to, to report it. But that is quite, I wouldn't say it's easy in a factory or, or something where you're working in the same place every day, but it's easier than if you're out traveling and stuff like that. You might have to skip down, set your laptop up. There's no Wi-Fi, so you're, you're thinking, I'll stop at Starbucks on the way home. I'll do it there, but then you're really tired. And you think, I'm not going to stop at Starbucks. I'll just go home. I do it when I get home. And then you get home, and then you got like six emails. You do those emails really quickly, and then your wife and kids are home, and then they're like, oh, we did, dad, 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 look at this, blah, blah, blah. Or, and you're like, do you know what? Not my priority right now incident investigation my kids are home my wife's home it's family time fair enough you know that the root cause of that is the system not you so you know, you've really got to work with your staff on trying to find a way to make this work because it's only going to benefit you as a manager or as a business owner <clears throat> you know lengthy online forms paper-based forms don't get engagement so really just think about how you're going to do this <clears throat> If you're an investigator or you're a manager or business owner that will inevitably become an investigator at some point, I would focus more on your manner of communication skills, not kills. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, <clears throat> as opposed to the form you're using or the method of investigation that you're going to use. Um, you know, focus on how you're going to do that. Focus on your culture. If you can focus on your culture from the offset, you dramatically reduce your chances of accidents. But then what you do then is if you do by chance have an accident, you're going to have a better investigation because you've got this good culture and everyone's on board to try and improve it. So in essence, guys, that, that's pretty much it. I hope you found that interesting. Um, it's been short. It's been sweet um, compared to the last one, which was a lengthy old waffle from two health and safety professionals. Um, so I'll post a link to the HSE guide for incident investigations. But remember what I said, it doesn't um, deal with property damage. Um, so just bear that in mind. Um, if you do incident investigations and use a specific method or you're quite loyal to a specific method, then hit us up on Twitter at RiskFluent or on Facebook forward slash RiskFluent um, or come find me on LinkedIn, James McPherson. Um, 
if you found this educational or entertaining or just downright boring um, whilst you're listening, whilst you drive to work or walk the dog or whatever, give us a rating. Even if it's one star, five star, I don't care. Just give us a rating. I really, really appreciate that. Um, if you have found some value in it and you think actually my mate Bob would quite like this, give it a share as well. I would really appreciate that, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, catch you next week.